Global, sparking innovative thoughts. Hello, welcome to a special session of Texas Global Podcast. I'm Chowa Dajung Jira Noner Pupe, the Texas Global Content Editor. Today, we're going to take a look at the educational system in uh, the world right now as we have gone through a whole year of change and disruption in various sectors. Education has definitely been one of them. And uh, with COVID 19 still one of the biggest issues that we'll have to deal with for 2021. We'll take a look at what lessons we've learned in 2020 and how we can move forward for the future of education here. And uh, we are very lucky indeed because we have with us someone that has actually been at Texas Global Summit. And yes. uh, she's well known as well here in Thailand. And that is Dr. Linda Lucas from Finland. She is the author and illustrator of Hello Ruby, a children's picture book about the whimsical world of computers, as well as the founder of Rails Girls, a global movement to teach young women programming in over 260 cities. <laughs> I have to say you look so cute if you oh. uh, for our listeners if you're just listening you can't see the picture <laughs> so Dr. Linda looks very good right now maybe because zoom is doing very well yes. for your skin <laughs> thank you uh, I think it's interesting we've all learned to kind of look at one another through these rectangles and these screens and and this year has given us a peek into the everyday lives of, of one another. This, um, what you're seeing behind uh, me is actually the favorite spot of my house. It's my bookshelf and mm. uh, it was built just before the, the pandemic hit. So uh, it's what, right on background time. I've been, yes, <laughs> actually, background that I've been using a lot. I mean, I just want to get out of the main topic. I mean, for a little bit, just, just to pivot a bit. I was, I was actually watching a program the other day, how, the you know before you'd have a lot of book lovers but then of course with the digital age people didn't really look at books that often but with zoom and you know uh, working from home happening so much now uh, there are reports that like uh, stores that have secondhand or really good you know uh, <laughs> really great books are actually doing well because people want those books to be in their background. <laughs> There's this concept of anti-library, this idea that it's not that you need to like read all the books out there. Sometimes like the role of a book can also be uh, that it uh, holds a meaning that uh, a great book reminds you of an idea that you might have read already, but also an idea that you might still be able to discover in the future. So for instance, for me, I, I just love like having books available this is a book by uh, about an artist called Robert Irvin and just being able to see his name uh, when I make my morning coffee or or take a call kind of reminds me of some of the ideals um, he has and there's this funny story about mm -hmm. a French guy who had this beautiful big library Mm -hmm. And his visitors always would come to the library and say, so have you read all the books you have over here? And the French guy said, no, but I haven't also drank all the wine in my wine cellar. <laughs> so in some ways, I think uh, it's a beautiful thing that books are 
books as objects of art and books as physical sort of reminders of big ideas we uh, should be exploring are around here and that's one of the reasons actually the ruby books were physical books because i think there is a lot of value in a very abstract very uh like a virtual world right now is to hold something in your hands and and say that hey like this is something i can read this is something i can touch this is something wow. that is finite Wow, I, I love that explanation. I meant it as a joke, but actually now I really need to get some books for my background. Yeah. <laughs> I only have a wall. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's get to the main topic for today. Um, COVID-19, it's impacted the education system here in Thailand and the rest of the world. How has it impacted Finland? So for Finland, uh, we've had it quite easy, to be honest. So we, our schools went into full lockdown only once last spring for uh, roughly two or three months. But after that, school has actually returned to quite uh, like the new normal, basically. So, so our uh, primary school students, they are in school in uh, classes and the secondary and upper secondary schools and universities have uh, been remote since last uh, fall. And I think there's, of course, been a lot of lessons learned. I don't teach students myself right now, mm -hmm. so I haven't seen the uh, classroom experience, but I did teach a class for university teachers this fall. So teachers who are training to become teachers. And we did it fully remote. Uh, and it was a very interesting experience in kind of this remote first pedagogy and how do we create a sense of community and a sense of learning in an age where you only see these Zoom, uh, mm -hmm. these like um, square little boxes with your students. And I'm not speaking for the entire educational system, obviously, here, but mm -hmm. I do feel that there was a lot of theater I actually ended up doing with my students. So we ended up doing um, kind of a blended model where I would send them in advance these videos they would watch. And then we would spend the classroom time discussing the videos, actually making crafts, uh, making, for instance, when we were discussing data and algorithms, um, we were creating these face masks mm -hmm. uh, with the teachers. Uh, each of the teachers also received in advance this little package um, with uh, printed materials and, and craft materials and some tea to make them feel like um, homey. And, and then we also had a bunch of um, small sort of ideas uh, to take them through this 10-week course and creating that sense of anticipation that something where like you feel delighted you feel that this is something extra somehow someone has really thought about my experience I think it made a huge difference and I would send the teachers on adventures outdoors I would ask them to take a walk in their neighborhood and spot things that belong to the internet I would ask them to uh, keep a log of websites or um or like uh, content that they used on the internet and, and share with one another. And uh, all in all, just try to create these um, moments of surprise uh, throughout uh, the experience of teaching, because I think every one of us is quite bored with just sitting in front of a Zoom and, and listening <laughs> passively uh, day in, day it's, out. It's, it's so true. Actually, I didn't mention this at the beginning of the, the our talk, but uh, I haven't told you as well, but I'm also, I'm a teacher as well. Ah, I, I teach university and small kids. Um, and I've, I've actually, oh, during here in Thailand, it was a different picture, I think, because we are in the second round of COVID-19. The first round, it happened, I think, mid 
semester and it was a really big disruption definitely mm. because one one week we were in class the next class week then. everyone <laughs> was online and so it depended really much on the teacher and in, in the individual who was in charge of their mm. subject and and um, lucky for me because of my media experience I was kind of able to to make it through yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and I think are, that's a yeah. really really important lesson also for all of the teachers who might be now listening is that this was a crisis moment this was yeah. not planned this was not sort of practiced and anyone who feels that last spring was like um a handful uh you're completely right and I think the next time uh we're gonna do anything equally uh like big in terms of like making a jump in digital pedagogy it's just going to be much smaller and and much more planned and much more uh, incremental uh so so again this was a crisis uh point and everyone who just survived as a teacher this year I think <laughs> deserves a huge kudos and a huge thank you um, so don't feel bad if you didn't invent a whole new way of teaching overnight. Yeah, it was because you had yeah yeah but but definitely getting well let's you know we're gonna have to get a lot of ideas from you definitely I'm very interested mm-hmm. in what you've talked about you know how making it more interactive and actually the second or the third time around of going to zoom even now because we're experiencing the second round of, uh, mm-hmm. of uh, the pandemic here in Thailand we're finding new ways to to deal with students but you know at the same time <laughs> It's so hard because mm. it depends on your students, doesn't it? Yeah. Because if they're really young, it's like really, it's like it's practically really difficult. Impossible. Um, yeah. yeah, impossible. Even if we're university levels, um, they have if they're even in class for those who are not really into it, right? The motivation uh, that has to go into it is it, yeah. quite at large. Anyways, um, let's take a look at. Other countries, then you were talking about. We we're talking about Finland. We we're talking about Thailand. How about other countries? Have you any heard about uh, how it's been yeah. for others? So, so maybe a few words. So before the pandemic, I, I, I'm a children's book author and illustrator, but I did travel 180 days a year, just meeting with schools and educators and giving talks like the one I did uh, in Bangkok in 2019 and obviously the pandemic switched all that uh, overnight so I haven't left Helsinki in in a long time and and probably won't uh, leave uh, in a while either but I think the beautiful side of the pandemic has been that I've been able to visit classrooms in ways that were not possible before so I've been to Italy I've been to London I've been to New York and I think everywhere teachers are dealing with a very frustrating situation with very uh, sort of novel and and um, encouraging ways and at some point when we realized that oh no that this pandemic is actually going to take a lot longer than the few weeks we were kind of uh, mentally anticipating in the spring we actually ended up with uh, my team working on a bunch of these tiny videos called computer science in 60 seconds Mm. and the idea was that we would shoot these little whimsical, beautiful, funny videos that would last 60 seconds that would always have me give a little explanation of the computer science topic. And these were intended for kids maybe in like uh, first or second grade. So kids between five and maybe eight or nine. And then there would always be some sort of an activity the kids could do, whether it was like dancing or making something out of Play-Doh or uh, interviewing your uh, grandparents over phone or, or ah. just taking a walk around the neighborhood and then coming back to the classroom setting and 
and and uh, sharing with your other peers because as you mentioned uh, when you're very small and very curious about the world <laughs> it's impossible to sit down in front of a screen day uh, for eight or nine hours a day so I think teachers needed to kind of reinvent the pedagogists uh, pedagogics around uh, screen time and figure out these ways where students could complete tasks on their own and this is uh, like this has been really really interesting to see from different cultures uh, how teachers have started to use these materials and kind of remix and reinvent them and, and come up with new ways of using them. And I think it's a little bit counter kind of um, counter uh, to the beliefs we have, but when we look at the history of education technology, well, there's first of all a long history of saying that all teaching is going to be remote uh, and we won't be needing schools anymore. And now I think everyone can collectively say that, yes, we will need schools in the future as well. And <laughs> people want to form communities and people want to learn in cohorts and communities together. But beyond that, when we look at education technology, there was the big era of these massive online uh, courses, the MOOCs, and kind of the excitement around being able to study a Stanford course in Helsinki or in Bangkok. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then it kind of fizzled down and, and the excitement kind of disappeared a little bit. But I think the interesting thing here now with the new kind of what's going to happen in EdTech next is not the ability to kind of scale education, but actually to make it smaller mm -hmm. and really the role of a good teacher I think is something people have really like started to value and recognize much more and I predict that there's going to be a massive demand for great teachers and with the kind of tools we're learning today to use when it comes to sort of zoom first pedagogy and being able to reach students across the globe like I've been doing this year yeah we will see all kinds of new business models and all kinds of new sort of brands and IPs coming up where you could be studying under uh, like dancing from a teacher in Bangkok or uh, cooking from a teacher in New York. So uh, there's going to be some sort of a blend, I think, between the kind of classroom of your local people, but I think it's too big of an opportunity to pass to be able to really learn from the best in the world when mm. they are creating content out there. And that's something I'm really excited about when it comes to kind of what are the positive things that will come out of this uh, <laughs> pandemic year. I was literally like fast forwarding all the way to, yes. to what I was talking about. But OK, let's just go back. I, I have one little I mean, when we were talking, I'm really excited because, of course, I'm, you know, I'm an education as well. Um, uh, one of the things that's interesting is you said uh, just, I just want to ask, just out of my own curiosity, and maybe for others who are listening, um, mm. when you're teaching young kids, and you say that, you know, you want to make the experience better for them by challenging them to go outside, to do other things outside, how is the, um, the relationship then uh, between the teacher and the parent uh, going to be in the future? Because obviously, parents throughout the whole world right now, <laughs> they're complaining like oh my gosh you know I have to help my kids do this do yeah. that um uh is it going to be changing that you know relationship between the teacher the school and and the parent whereas maybe the parents or the family unit will have to play yeah. a bigger role in the education of their children or students and I think that is absolutely the kind of unpaid cost that will like we will um 
get out of this uh, this pandemic that we don't know yet what what the cost for it will look like because there has been so much talk especially in Finland about because school is in some ways the great democratizer whatever your background is what especially like well-functioning public schools like we have in Finland like whatever your background whatever your family situation uh, like school is equally accessible and open to everyone and kind of provides that equity uh, in society Uh, but now with the pandemic going, obviously, like the role of parents has been also really, really important in the spring. And the kids who come from uh, great backgrounds and parents who put a lot of or, or can afford to uh, invest in their children uh, have a better position than the children who come from uh, other kinds of backgrounds. And I think we we won't see the effect of that until a few years in uh, this kind of Um, chaos and, and uh, disrootedness or, or so that the children um, have experienced this spring. Um, positively thinking, I think like the role of parents is of, of course huge. Like it would be wrong to ask from society and teachers to educate and, and to raise our children. It's, it's the job of the family um, to do that. And it's interesting to see that uh, like More and more I've started to see, for instance, these virtual after schools, all kinds of like additional hobbies that parents are uh, getting to their children and supporting them. And there used to be this big joke about how children's apps are not really a business because you can't upsell to the children. You can't um, build like this billion dollar game company around content for children. Uh, which is great because we don't want to be doing that and we want to sort of guard the children and, and so forth. But I think more and more parents are realizing that we actually, or they want to pay for great digital experiences for the children that are safe and that are age appropriate, that uh, promote the kinds of values and ideas that the parents want to be seeing. And, and it means good things for people who are working within children's content uh, going mm-hmm. forward. Okay. And, uh, and how do you think it's changed the, the classroom? Because here in Thailand, um, we have had different strategies done by different schools. Some schools have, you know, 100% online learning. Other schools have some days in class, some days outside class. I have actually had to teach blended classes that's where like it's like yeah. that's the worst like it's the yeah. worst I'm sorry but it is just like uh, you're you're teaching students in the class and mm. online at the same time um uh, you know in the handling of this whole crisis um what model do you think uh, has been working well so far I think in handling the crisis, whatever works, works and whatever gets us through the day, gets us through the day. So I wouldn't kind of like look for best practices uh, right now. I, I personally, I feel the same thing that the blended model is the hardest one. But for some re- people, it works and it provides an opportunity for the students to keep learning, even though they would be quarantined or or working from home. Um I like. I honestly don't think this is a good year to to really like uh, build a future. Uh, yeah, we are in a crisis mode, and 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 that's uh, the thing that we need to figure out now. I think one of the kind of whimsical and like I don't know the positive or optimistic ideas I've run into is this idea of a forest school. So it's a kindergarten model, very popular mm-hmm. in Nordic countries, and I think it originates from Germany. But the idea is that there's a kindergarten class um, of students who actually don't even have a home base. So they don't have an indoors 
uh, room at all. So what they do is they they build their little fortresses in the forest and they use public spaces like libraries and so forth. And I would be curious to kind of study the forest schools of Finland a little bit closer and see the experiences they've had when they are not in crisis mode, when they've actually had the time to think this through. Because uh, there was this study done where they said that like uh, playing in the forest, it uh, like within months it uh, changed the like gut biomes. So so the microbes in the stomach of the children, because they would play in the mud and they would crawl around and it made them healthier actually uh, to be (laughs) like eating (laughs) Uh, and rolling and, and in rummaging <laughs> in the mud and the forest. And I think once we are past the biggest crisis, then it is the question when we start to think about like, okay, what does this mean for the classroom? Like, could the classroom actually be within public city space or could it be in a central park? Or uh, do we actually need to be like having children sitting inside of a classroom that is badly ventilated and um, in the worst case they are sitting in the same room and everyone is looking at their own little tablet so that doesn't seem very I don't know like very very smart but uh, let's worry about all of that once the crisis (laughs) is a little bit further along I think everyone has so much on their plate right now that Okay, no, because I had to ask a question. Um, let's, let's move on. Let's move on to you know a little bit of what you mentioned earlier on about the educational inequality and mm-hmm. digital divide. Um, yeah, I've already kind of myself experienced it a bit. Now I'm not trying to talk only about myself, but you know I just want to share mm. that um, you know I recently had to do, <laughs> and because I was teaching at a public university, an online midterm, <laughs> wow. and and we had. Um, problems. I mean, we tried to solve the problem as it came. Um, you know, we had we, some students obviously may have not, we don't ha- may not have so- resources mm. to have a, a laptop at home. Uh, obviously, there was a need for a monitoring uh, of another device while they were doing their yeah. work. While some students were worried about the internet connection, yeah. um, blackouts, and everything. Um, how are we learning from the situation? I mean, do you yeah. think? COVID-19 is making it worse or is it going to make it better in terms of, you know, uh, cutting that gap of, you know, educational inequality and digital divide? I think uh, COVID-19 has definitely made infrastructure a hot topic again. And uh, things like stable internet connection and fiber optic cables and, and like a like a fast uh, internet connection have definitely become priorities for different cities and, and especially elsewhere as well. In Finland, actually, it's um, it's not the right word, but it's it's a human right. So so every citizen is kind of like uh, mm-hmm. promised um, an access to high speed internet. This was done already, I think, maybe even 10 years ago, five years ago. Uh, so that has helped a lot. So even the rural areas, they get uh, fast uh, and stable internet. But I do think that especially going forward, those uh, topics are going to be much more important. And then the question about like access and, and computers and, and just the like basic equipment uh, needed to run a classroom in your home. Uh, I don't think we like knew half of it when we started. Like I, I think uh, most kids probably didn't have a computer of their own. And and now with the uh, in some countries, the, the lockdown has been going on for a year, uh, more or less. Um, we are starting to realize that, like, 
this is probably going to be a future where all of us will have some sort of a personal computer from uh, from very small age onwards. I think one of the fascinating things for me has been the role of gaming and games in all of this. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Because when in March, uh, the lockdown started here in Helsinki, and I was in my tiny apartment, and uh, I downloaded Fortnite for the first time, this like massive, uh, like, player uh this game yeah, battle I've royale it, i'm not playing yeah, <laughs> yeah so me, me neither and i just felt that i'm just gonna kill a little bit of time while doing this um like waiting for them that they locked down to lift then we thought optimistically that it's only gonna be a few weeks and uh the kind of killer thing for me um well that's a wrong word the, the best feature for me was the microphone because in Fortnite, you're playing in these little squads, in these little groups um, mm-hmm. of people, and uh, you have a headset on and you have the mic on. And all of a sudden, I realized that I was talking nonstop with my friends who I was playing with <laughs> and hearing their voices yes. and just like knowing that they are in their own little like apartments yes. around the world. And we were like free in the game. We were roaming in these like beautiful meadows and we were building these structures and we were uh, experiencing like things. Like we went to a concert, into a Travis Scott concert online. Mm-hmm. And all the time I could hear their voices chaka, 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 in my head. <laughs> and I haven't looked at like gamers uh, like, uh, like the same since that experience and just realizing that like there is a very different experience for young people, whether they are playing Among Us, whether they are playing um, Fortnite, whether they are hanging out on a Discord service, uh, that has to do with them being born in a world where like connectedness is a given. And they don't always need a fancy computer with all of the same infrastructure that we are used to. Sometimes it's enough for them to just like have voice uh, around them. And that can be a very intimate experience so I'm really curious to see like what we can learn from uh, games that we can take into the classrooms and kind of like figure out those same kind of spaces that actually feel like spaces because zoom it feels like a non-space it feels like we're all hanging out in our own little bubbles here but on Fortnite, I absolutely felt that I I was actually somewhere with really a group in of the oh no I've got, I've got to try it actually um, yeah. my brother my brother, my younger brother, he, it's a, a ritual, mm. you know, he's not, he's not like a really into the, it's not the game itself. Yeah. It's the fact that you're going to meet your friends. Yes. You're going to have that, you know, get together every night or whatever. And I yeah. think that's brilliant. I, I, I'm, now I'm tempted to try it uh, because, <laughs> yes. you know, wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be uh, magical that for education that you have that sort of experience for a classroom? Mm. That yeah. you can actually take a class somewhere, like I was you listening know, to this a world, a different world, or into a historical setting, or into like the human body, or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah. Hopefully, that's that's a very kind of a vision <laughs> of future of ex- technology. I would love to. But see. by then, I will have to learn how to use it first. <laughs> um, but well, maybe but, it's going to be an environment where you just like 
you don't need to learn to use it. It you just need to it just learn comes to use it. Yeah, I think yeah, it's wonderful what you said that, and and it's wonderful to know that in your country that uh, it is a human right. Hopefully, in developing countries such as Thailand and mm-hmm. other countries, we're able to do that as well Provide to give that. Better. Um, mean, it would mean definitely more opportunities for mm-hmm. rural areas. Um, now let's take a look at edtech though. Uh, with the the COVID nineteen, you've seen, I think, a lot of online uh, channels where people can learn a lot about things. Right? We've seen mm-hmm. a lot of people learn how to make sourdough. <laughs> a lot of yes. people learn how to like bake and do whatever. Right? So then comes the question: Hey, uh, a lot of people think, right? Like, oh, I just need the Google. I just need Google. I just need mm-hmm. YouTube to to learn. Why do I need to go to school? Right. Mm. And I, I maybe go back to what you said earlier in our talk, and that is like you've come to the realization that school is still ne- needed for that mm. community and network. Um, but at the same time, do you think edtech will play a bigger role? I think, uh, well, well, it goes down to like um, a bigger idea of what education is about. Is it about transfer of knowledge, which is about like you learning the exact technique to do sourdough or uh, is it about like memorizing facts or is it about passing exams or, or getting through standardized testing? And that is one way of looking at it. Uh, education but I think I'm more from a constructivist uh, sort of family where the idea is that we create meaning together through experiences and we uh, education is about preparing children for a future and it's about kind of giving them these long perspective ideas not only the like the specific skill per se but also like community and ideas and and also like getting them to know about ideas that they wouldn't otherwise learn about. I think that is the one scary thing about online education is that if we all get to pick our own interests alone, we will have a much more siloed world where people who are only interested in Elon Musk and Neuralink and space exploration can go very deep into that, but they will never be kind of, um, they will never learn about the Greek classics or uh, the ideas of chemistry or, or so forth. And it's a balance, of course. I think if you go really broad in education, that's not a good thing. Uh, but um, the idea that like a good education is well-versed, it's balanced, uh, and it's about creating meaning together, not about transferring knowledge from one person to another. But then the more technical question is like, do we need schools anymore? I think schools have so much more to do than uh, about the knowledge that is inside of them. So for many students especially in the higher education schools are about getting in and about getting out so it's about selection that you get selected into this school and then it's about getting out so it's about the certification that you've actually mastered this knowledge and unbundling those ideas like the knowledge part the selection part and the certification part I think it's just going to create a lot more different kinds of businesses and for like me, I would love nothing more than to see that someone from rural Thailand becomes like a multi-billion um, business uh, in uh, teaching something they know really well, whether it's in the agriculture or something else. And I hope that is kind of the promise that internet uh, hasn't yet fulfilled, kind of uh, the global uh, GDP or uh, kind of the global infrastructure to uh, create 
educational experiences from wherever you are in the world. And for a very long time, it's been only a very selected group of exclusive universities that have been able to uh, offer that. And now these universities are uh, are in trouble because they are more and more realizing that the only thing that they can offer for the children is, um, or the students is the certification, the, the fact that you went to Howard or you went mm. to MIT or Stanford. And I think it's a good thing that, uh, like, that we have resources on YouTube, we have these different ed tech startups that are kind of working on the knowledge part uh, and uh, also kind of the certification part. And yeah, it's just a very, very interesting time now to see because for a long time it's been hard to kind of uh, reach people. You needed to like be somewhere and so and, so far away it's a, the, it's yeah. the, the, the the thing of I think a lot of people in the new generation especially they're not just thinking of you know from my generation like oh getting in the top university mm. I think it's a bigger bigger dynamic uh world now that they yeah. can choose from there are more options that choose from yep. and definitely Absolutely. it's very exciting um gosh we, 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 we want to fit more stuff into our talk because we have limited time but it is really interesting uh what you just mentioned there um but uh before we take a look at what we're going to have for 2021 with uh you know texas global summit and and your books in thailand i, I just want to ask you what is the main lesson do you think that we've learned in the education system in 2020 and uh, what do you think we will do? Okay, we be more positive in 2021. <laughs> I, I think the main thing hopefully we will take away from this year is the idea that uh, kind of, let me see, um, maybe uh, the idea of making learning visible because so many of the structures that we held as sort of sacred almost, like the idea that learning happens in a classroom and learning happens through a test. We're shaken this year and that there's a teacher in front of the class who uh, kind of transfers the knowledge. Uh, they were shaken this year and uh, we kind of realized that learning can happen in so many different ways. If that's the kind of positive spin I can put on this that it can learn, um, that, that learning can happen when you're talking with your grandparents, when you're um, like walking, um, like crawling on the mud bed in the forest or, or, or when you're hanging out on Fortnite with your pals. And maybe that's the one thing I wish we keep uh, from this pandemic year is the, the ability to recognize learning when it happens and, and sort of also, um, give um give recognition to it and then going forward i do wish that we can return to in-person teaching quite soon i think we have collectively realized that humans crave for one another's company mm -hmm. and yeah. we learn in small cohorts we learn reciprocity we learn this like uh, we learn so much uh, that isn't written in the curriculum and in the syllabus through interacting with one another. But I do hope that we keep the kind of the, the broad ideas, the, the fact that I could take a cooking class from New York or that I could hang out with a bunch of UK teachers on their bar quiz night uh, <laughs> on Zoom. So we 
we keep that sense that we're all in this together, which is the COVID crisis like hit every single country in the world pretty much. So that sense of camaraderie uh, and we keep sharing best practices and we keep sharing uh, ideas among different cultures. Okay. Well, you know, I, you know, I, we look forward to seeing you this year, hopefully, because <laughs> actually Texas Global Summit is going to be happening in 2021. I'm speaking it into realization. <laughs> we will have it. And as Dr. Linda says, there's nothing better than connecting with each other. And mm. hopefully maybe you will be able to join us either online yes. or, 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 or real life. Um, I, I want to tell a little bit, uh, tell the audience a little bit about your work as mm. well. I mean, let's not forget, uh, even though we're in Thailand, uh, or if you're in other countries, right, I believe you have yeah. translations of your yeah. series, uh, your children's book series, Hello yeah. Ruby. So Hello Ruby yeah. is uh, kind of the book series I started five years ago, and it touches on these ideas of how do we make coding and computer science uh, playful and imaginative and take it out of the kind of abstract world of math and ideas into the um, sort of fingertip knowledge that small children habit. And uh, it's a storybook with a little girl character. Mm -hmm. It's always a story, a narrative that kind of creates that memory for the children that, oh, there was this little girl, Ruby, and she was really good with machines. And then there's always uh, activities and exercises that teach you how to think about machine learning or oh. internet or uh, networks or hardware of a computer through these kind of very craft-based activities. And yeah, the um, Thai version of the series came out last year, just a little bit after I had uh, left the conference. Um, and it's out by Nanami Book and I believe it's available in bookstores and the Ruby series has actually been translated into over 30 languages so odds are your listeners um, yeah. will find it and if you want to take a look at the um, uh, activities we did uh, during the lockdown so these tiny videos and the craft activities they are at helloruby.com slash play or helloruby.com also so any teacher who wants to try them out they are completely free of charge and, and you can use them in uh, classrooms anywhere and I would love 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 to hear or see what your listeners come up with and and send me examples of what the kids built or made oh definitely please go to that website I, I think everybody wants to share and uh, thank you so much Dr. Linda for sharing with us your learning experience in 2020 and also your hopes for the future I think I've gotten a lot I think our listeners have gotten a lot and uh I hope to see you soon in Thailand in the future. Thank you, Thank you so Me much, too. Ka. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Tech Sauce, sparking innovative thoughts.